on this episode of EdTech Wi-Fi 6 is coming down the pipe, what that means for higher education, the biggest trends of 2020 and how they'll affect your classroom, what change management is and how to implement it. All that and more next on EdTech. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is EdTech, episode 78, recorded Thursday, September 19th, 2019. Change agent. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Extron, industry-leading technology backed by world-class support. This is EdTech's monthly look at the education space for the AV industry. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host in for the vacationing slash sick, uh, Mr. Bill O'Donnell. So we wish him well and uh, wherever he goes there. Uh, with us to talk about the education space and some news that we've gathered. First and foremost, uh, old, this is like old home week for me because uh, I get to host this. Mr. Scott Tyner, all the way up in Maine at Bates College. Welcome, sir. Hey, thanks for having me on again, Tim. It's, it, it does feel like a few years ago all over again, right? Indeed. indeed. There's one's a manufacturer, one's an integrator, but, you know, we push them both well. Mr. Ernie Bailey has also been with us for a long time. He is Many years, yes. How are you, sir? We're doing just fine. Good deal. Uh, and for me, Rob's a new, but you've been on this show a long time. Mr. Rob Raspberry, how are you, sir? Great. This is, I think this is a first for me, isn't it? You it hosting? Might be. Yeah, it might yeah. be. Wow. It's time since I've done this show. This show. So, <laughs> a long time since I've been a tech manager, too, but I still love it. All right, here we go. Um, First up comes to us from PC Magazine, Wi-Fi 6. And if you don't know what that is, uh, well, read the link on the, on the, on the page here. Uh, the Wi-Fi Alliance, uh, Wi-Fi Alliance announced today the official launch, launch of the Wi-Fi Certified 6 certification program. Bottom line here is you're looking at 802.11ax on the successor to Wi-Fi 5. This is going to have four times the capacity of Wi-Fi 5. In other words, we're going to see a lot more, uh, the ability to move a lot more ones and zeros, a lot more bandwidth here. Scott, we'll start with, we'll start with you uh, on, on this one. Um, wireless transmission of USB, of audio and, and of video, has been kind of a holy grail. About 10-ish years ago now, Bar, uh, Barco came out with the first, um, what I'll say, the first commercial uh, abil- ability to send you know, um, uh, video over Without wires, that was a USB dongle to a um, to a, a, a base unit. But now they're talking about having the capability of sending, you know, wireless video, wireless signals. Is Wi-Fi six going to give AV manufacturers the ability to really kind of launch into this space and, and jump on the backbone of uh, of our Wi-Fi, or are we at the point with you know internet access being you know paramount? They're still going to have to do their own thing. Yeah, it's a great question and it's a great discussion. I'm curious to hear what others think about this. I, I've, I remember that years ago when we would talk about USB over wireless, video or audio over wireless, and it was too early for it, quite frankly, and some of us got burned by it. And from that kind of learned, hey, guess what? I'm using wires for the rest of my career. Um, but now it, it has improved so much. And, and I think of some of the other roles that I have at Bates. We, we put computers now on people's desktops quite often and they're only using wireless. So we're, we're, we're moving towards that in the computer arena. Um, I think it, 
I don't see how we don't move that way in, in the AV arena. Uh, the question is, can we build up the confidence of the end user in the wireless experience? Um, and again, a lot of this has to do with, with education and really understanding what is Wi-Fi 6 and how is it different than previous versions? Um, and, and then just testing stuff out. Ernie, I remember my very first wireless audio and video signal. It, it transmitted VGA, just for the record. Yes. It cost $1,000, mm, yep. and it could go 50 feet. Right. <laughs> and you had to have a specific transmitter and receiver. Yep. And, uh, I mean, we still have some systems that we're using that are actually doing HDMI wirelessly, but it's the same deal. Dedicated transmitter and receiver. And what we found is we have... While it will, it's got a good, probably 250 foot range to it. Mm. They have to start out close, and then we've learned how far we can move them away from each other. But they won't sync unless they're, you know, within 20 feet of each other. They won't sync at their full capacity. At the full range. capacity to start out. Once it makes the connection, we can roll it out. So, so what is the use case in that specific scenario? Is that something like a rolling podium that you can turn? Well, actually, uh, it's a ro some rolling displays in a large open area. Okay. We've got power on the floor, so we will extend the power, move the device. Um, we've got a small UPS on the, on the station, so we can then unplug it long enough to then plug, you know, remove the extension cord out of the mix and put it where we need it but we don't have wires taped down across the floor uh, it, it's a high profile space and uh, you know receptions and or overflow for the auditorium beside it uh, is this something where i, I kind of same kind of question to this guy are, are we at a point you know with saturation of, of Wi-Fi where this is going to allow us to, to kind of augment that and jump on back, jump on the back of this system? Or is, is this simply the next iteration giving the IT folks a little bit more breathing room and they're like, hey, dude, you, you can't get on this because we need this, this extra bandwidth? Well, we need the extra bandwidth. Uh, in class, you know, in our classrooms and lecture halls, we're already putting in high density wireless devices uh, in our active learning spaces and our larger lecture halls. Uh, when we first started trying to do that, uh, I guess 2012 was the first time it really became an issue. We were building a new learning center and they told us to figure 1.9 wireless devices per student. Now they're telling us four and a half to five and a half average. You've got your watch, your tablet, your laptop, your phone, your glasses, All right there, your yeah. keys, whatever. Uh, so, and even if the things aren't being used, they're still trying to connect, which takes up bandwidth. And we get into situations where if they're taking a test on the laptop, maybe their phone and their tablet are in their backpack over against the side wall, but they're still wearing their watch and something else, and these things are all connected, and then the laptop connection crashes and the exam is lost. Rob, you're over here, you can't, nobody can see Rob's, but Rob's over here shaking his head. Just, uh, <laughs> now, 
now you might be able to see me in, in yeah. a minute. So, and, and the other part of this is, is that so many things are mobile and you move around. So, you know, there are a proliferation of devices, wireless devices, and they're everywhere. You know, the internet of things, you know, it, it's going to be incorporated with everything, even things that may not even be related directly to the classroom or students or whatever. So right. uh, I think the, 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 the new Wi-Fi format will be a great, uh, a great yeah. asset. Well, you know, you've also got people moving around out in the hallways outside the room that yep. are going to end up on that uh, same access point. So, well, Robert, is is this something where you know, I, I, I get the, the feeling that at least the consensus here that this is not something that we're going to be able to utilize at least in a public setting. But could manufacturers say, you know what, this new Wi-Fi six is better than what we've got currently baked in? Just like AV over IP is is predominantly and still they're getting there in, on the public land, but predominantly a, a closed system. We could see products come out with a closed Wi-Fi six system. I mean that certainly seems feasible. I mean you know the whole thing here is bandwidth and usability. Uh, you know again like you know Ernie said the, the 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 great increase in in the amount of wireless devices per person. I mean, something like this is they'll figure out a way to, to make it work and, uh, you know, and who knows, maybe they will, you know, change some protocols and make it more widely used publicly. But yeah, I, I could see this being adopted in, the, in, in a very short period of time, actually. All right, guys, next story comes to us from eCampus News, the top 10 wireless trends of 2019, uh, written by the main janitor there. And then she goes through a number of different things. Number one is Wi-Fi, oddly enough. Um, but I, I want to stay, start on this, just kind of kick off, and, and, and Ernie, we'll start with you on this. What are some of the trends that we're seeing for next year? What, what are some of the technologies that's going to impact the classroom uh, starting in January? Well, I think, you know, once again, the Internet of Things, we're seeing devices that we wouldn't have thought of being wireless connecting. Um, I guess really anything that requires power may end up being have some sort of communication device to get back to let people know where it is. We're, we're looking at a lot of wayfinding. We're starting to put wayfinding in on campus and very specific. So you can get people in the right door down a hallway if you need to. So, uh, and you know, that's, you know, that's wireless. It adds to what we're doing already. It kind of combines uh, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, and, um, any other wireless type communication you might be looking at. All right, Mr. Raspberry, from where you said, what do you see, whether that's the, the upcoming 5G, it's the Wi-Fi 6 that we just talked about or some other sort of technology? It's sort of like a, almost the top 10, you know, it's like choose whatever you're going to, to, to use here. So I, I interested in the wireless sensing, that seems very interesting. Um, the low power wide area, Network seems uh, especially yeah. interesting because with anything that's moving around, something you have to have the power and, and be able to, to handle that along with the bandwidth. So that seems um, extremely um, interesting. And the long-range wireless power, but, you know, hey. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like any one of these you can pick and sort of see, you know, uh, the the the. the feasibility of it in the next year, the 5G cellular, you know, like I know like in some situations for us, we're trying to find uh, in an area, believe it or not, where there is not a great signal, 
you know, having um, a, a uh, I guess you would call, uh, what is it called, the uh, wireless uh, access points, the mobile broadband points, and having 5G will enable us, for instance, to do webcast in an area where we normally wouldn't be able to, to handle anything like that. So instead right. of hopefully carrying the large backpacks that we've seen at some of the conferences, hopefully, you know, with the 5G little devices like that, that'll make things a lot easier. Yeah, we utilized one of those little backpacks at, at Infocom this year. And with a, let's say, mixed results. Um, <laughs> you know, it may, it may, honestly, you do, you're, you're at Infocom, you're at a, a trade show. And uh, mm -hmm. we had both cellular connection as well as, as the public Wi-Fi there. And it was still... Not a great experience. It wasn't horrible. Um, it allowed us to do certain things. But um, yeah, the 5G seems to be, unfortunately, it's turned into, in my opinion, a buzzword at this point with, with some manufacturers. Um, but, you know, it, the actual capabilities, um, we'll, we'll see once they start rolling it out in, in certain things, obviously cell phones, but, but other devices as well. Mm -hmm. Mr. Tyner, what, uh, what are your predictions for next year already? Yeah, when I actually I looked at this article and I thought about what are those things that affect education the most. And it's interesting when you look at that perspective. I mean, you think of the long-range wireless power. I think of students. One of the battery lives have gotten much better. But one of the biggest complaints we've always had is they can't bring a laptop to class because by the end of the day it's dead. So we've gone ahead and put power outlets on tables. This eventually, I don't think this year, you asked about this year, this isn't going to resolve it this year, uh, but is a, a promise going forward. I think uh, what Ernie said uh, was really interesting about the location tracking. I think of any college campus you go to, they're really difficult to get around. I can never, I walk on a campus for the first time and I can never figure out where I am. And just to have this phone out and think about on the edge of Rome network. So any campus you go to, you've got it and you can just find the place you're going to. We're looking at more, Scott, for the hospital side. You know, we're a hospital as well. Yeah. You know, you've got, we've got patients coming in from all over the state that may have never been to our campus and this may be their only time, but we, you know, we'll have an app, they can do it and they can get from appointment to appointment without and having he, to have a escort. And with what they're talking about here, I mean, you, you can then start thinking about uh, camera tracking in classrooms or uh, making microphones active in classrooms, depending on where the person with a certain phone is standing in the room. You can talk about knowing whether students are in certain classes and I mean, we're not gonna get in, we don't have to get into the whole privacy issues with all of that, but the, the power of that. Well, I was actually going to get into the privacy part of the <laughs> there, there is a power here, and, and, and we're recording this, all, all, all four of us live in the U.S., right? There is a certain, there's a regulation inside Europe, uh, GDPR, there are certain privacy concerns um, with that. We don't have that in the U.S. Um, so there are, it's one of those things where you have the, the convenience versus security or versus privacy, right? I'm a student, I'm a freshman going into this, and I'm, I'm 18 years old, I've got my app out, I'm walking through Bates, I don't know where the freak I'm going, and I bring the, 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 the app up and the digital signage, the wayfinding, and I'm able to find my, my way because it knows who I am and it knows where I am, right? So what, what is that line? Or, you know, is, is it, have we gotten to the point or has, have, have the younger generation got to the point? They're like, I, I just need to know where I'm going. I'm good with them knowing where I am. So I, I think, and again, do this, this, um, 
say this is my opinion, right? This is not my this is not my work's opinion. I actually truly do believe the younger generation and maybe even people older than that, I have decided convenience over privacy. Um, I, I just think they they just don't care. And I personally take the view of if you think you have privacy, you're just fooling you're fooling yourself. You don't. So get over it and and move on. Now again, that my opinion, I'm sure that other people have very different opinions. But there's also there's opt-in options, right? I mean, I I would assume that you might not say, oh, the student has to check into class just by walking with their phone. They have to decide that that's how they're going to do it. Uh, but I I think for the most part, I mean, they just they just don't care. Well, Rob, go ahead. I was going to yeah, say. no, I mean, you got to totally agree. I mean, with everything with all social media and everything, if they had a concern about that, then, you know, you wouldn't see anybody on social media. So right. I, I think they definitely view this as sort of almost a standard and sort of understand that, you know, hey, you know, you're going to know where I am and what I'm doing. And this is, you know, and you're also paying for it. So, you know, it's uh, I, I totally agree with Scott. Yeah. I, I, on that order, back to what Scott was talking about a while ago about using your cell phone in the classroom for camera tracking or whatever, uh, my app has a new device out, uh, their CrowdMic system. I don't know if y'all looked at that, but your smartphone can be your microphone when you're, respond, when you're asking a question in a classroom or a large event. And that actually, Ernie, one of, one of my biggest concerns and a little bit of the feedback I've heard from crowd mics is about the latency and does uh, Wi-Fi 6 start to solve some of that latency issue? Um, it's just, yeah, some really interesting changes. Yeah. The only time I've really played with crowd mics was in the Byant booth at Infocom where, you know, they were, they had full control. So there was no latency issues there. No, none, none. <laughs> I know that in talking with some folks that went to SCN's uh, events back in July or in August, uh, they used it there, uh, and that was that was one of the first times that at least you know people that I know personally had seen it outside of a trade show, uh, and it seemed to work relatively well, from my, my understanding. So, um, but I just want to point out that Tyner used the term feedback in, in you know in talking about a microphone, so that was kind of. <laughs> All right. Uh, last story here. Actually, we're going to pick on Mr. Tyner. Uh, not really. We're going to pick his brain about change management. And Scott writes in, in, over at Rave Pubs about change management and, and his efforts to get, uh, get the system going at, at his campus at Bates. Scott, I want to start with this. I, you know, in reading the article, if somebody's not familiar with, with the term, and my understanding, it comes from the IT industry. But you know, what exactly is change management and why does it apply to, to the higher education space? Yeah, so in a nutshell, change management is um, understanding the effects of your change, understanding a way to, to roll back your change, and documenting any changes that you make. And it's, it's been in IT for a long time, in IT service management, and in ITIL. And there are some organizations that are much better at it than others, I think. Uh, Ernie, for example, has mentioned that his, his organization has used it for a bit. Uh, we haven't been very great at it at Bates, and I'm trying to bring it in from the customer service area that I work in. A lot of times you, you hear it in actually the network and infrastructure area. Uh, but even with the AV work that we do, when we're taking devices on or off the network or adding devices or changing programming, with the interconnectedness we have now, we can cause issues in multiple classrooms, across buildings, across campus. 
And so a change management piece would say before you, you, you identify certain types of changes and before you make them, you have certain interested parties be aware of it and approve it, whatever that means. That, that can ha That's your decision. It's your campus, what approved means. Um, so you're not making any mistakes that, that bring down um, other rooms or other buildings. Um, and the important thing, is, the other piece of it is that you document it. So a year later when you say, boy, why did we do this? Well, it's actually documented somewhere and you can go look at it. Uh, Ernie, uh, Scott mentioned the fact that you guys actually utilize this at, at right. uh, yes. uh, what's been your experience with it? Uh, I find that it makes things run much smoother. It helps us communicate with others within IT when we're making a change. Uh, but it's what I like is the best part is our IT division has a project management team, okay. multiple project managers. To get a project manager assigned to your project, you have to submit the uh, change order, and then the cab will review and assign someone. So, as opposed to the cab. us having, what's a cab? You said the cab will. It, it, it. Um, uh, what's the, is that Scott, the, uh, a change it, advisory board? Yeah, change okay. advisory board. Yeah. Thank you. We, we called it cab for so long, and Scott <laughs> had it in I, here. I, so. I, and I appreciate that, but we yeah. we have well, a rule here. We have to uh, uh, define our acronyms. So yeah, I had I I haven't used the full phrase in so long. <laughs> I had to go back to Scott's article to find it. <laughs> I, I, uh, no, it, it's Cliff and his team. <laughs> That's even more obscure, Ernie, but go, go back to this. <laughs> uh, but if we submit to the, to the change advisory board that we have this project coming up and it's going to affect, basically the rule for getting a project manager, it's got to take more than 40 hours of time and or affect more than two groups within IT and one other group on campus. In general, you know, that's the carpenter shop in our engineering and operations. They got to put up a mount for me. So that adds them, you know, almost every time. So therefore, we, we get a project manager assigned and makes running a project much smoother. And the project managers are real big on the documentation side that Scott talked about. So it's the documentation is done. It's in the campus directory, not just, you know, in an AV folder somewhere. And it's done in a standard format. So everybody can read it and understand it. Uh, Rob, oh, you'll end up on this one, you know, um, adding this to your campus. What would you say is the process here? Uh, who do you bring this to first? Uh, well, I guess uh, initially first starts with obviously with, with IT and creating the standards and then getting a buy-in from the university, which usually wouldn't be a problem. And then, of course, you have to have everybody buy in because in some instances on campuses, there may not be a central IT organization. There may be multiple organizations that you have to bring together and say, hey, this is the standard. This is what we're going to do. If you change something here, this is how it could affect this other area. So we need to agree specifically on what the protocol is. I mean, it just makes sense. And it definitely makes things easier standardizing it and makes everybody, uh, you know, get on the same page. Scott, before we wrap up here, I want to ask you one look. How long have you been trying to do this and, and, and to at Bates and, and what do you what's your prospect like? Do you think it's gonna end up taking you six months? Is this a year process? Is it longer? 
I started really thinking about it over the course of this past summer with some of the, actually in, with some of the responsibilities I have in, it, with the IT division um, particularly, but then started also thinking about it, um, an upgrade or a, a, an update happened to one of our digital signage servers that actually did affect um, other things. And when we talked to the people that did the upgrade, there was nothing malicious about what they did, right? They didn't upgrade like they always do. And, and in retrospect, they're like, oh yeah, we should have told you that. So it's just about making it part of what you do uh, and not and not kind of trying to, you know, nitpick with anybody. Well, you didn't talk to me. It's, it just becomes part of what we do. I actually think we're going to be able to move it fairly quickly. We're a fairly small organization. Um, it improves communication. A few people, I think, feel like it might slow us down some, and it might, uh, but it's going to make things better. And if it slows us down a week on something, well, that's something we'll we'll have to live with. But certainly, um, I know you know Ernie much bigger place than we have. I'm not. I'm sure Rob's is also much bigger. So they might have some different changes. But um, I think we'll be able to move it quickly. And within six months, we'll be having a a pretty robust um, change management program here at Bates. That one one quick example that we went through show how important it is. Is we were looking at deploying. Um, video over IP and streaming uh, using Creston's NVX system. And we met with network engineering and everyone and made sure we were all set when we were gonna add it uh, to a space the first time we were implementing it uh, outside of a closed environment. Well, we did and everybody was there when we you know, plugged it in. We took the hospital network down. You know, radiology could not send images uh, because just the way it hit the router. Well, if we had done that without having gone through the uh, change management, without having network engineering involved and there when we did it, it would have been a major uh, disaster. And nobody would have known what caused the network to go down. You know, and no one would have even thought to talk to us about it. But because we did, it was down for 45 seconds. You know, as opposed to two weeks trying to figure out what happened, um, but you know, it was it was a bad thing that happened. But because we had followed procedures, we were able to recover from it. Yeah, that actually is a pretty powerful example uh, and, and a great yeah. example of that because you're right, having the right people involved, having the right people there, yeah. and like you said, it was down for 45 seconds. Yeah. There's a very good possibility that nobody in radiology realized that they couldn't send anything because. Well, you know, actually, it was in the radiology director's conference room. Well, never mind. We were sitting up. So. <laughs> totally new. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but and they knew what happened, and they were very appreciative that it came back real quick. Uh, but you know, if we had not gone through the change management, not been involved with network engineering or anybody else, and we had done that when they found out we did it. There'll be somebody else sitting on this conference right now. Yes, absolutely. All right, guys, that will absolutely do it. Uh, thank you all so much, Mr. Rob Raspberry. Thank you, sir. Always a wonderful time. Yes. <laughs> Holding you. How do people get in touch with you if they are so inclined? I am on LinkedIn, Rob Raspberry. Very good. Mr. Ernie Bailey, thank you, sir. Uh, thank you, sir. I enjoyed it. Uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn. And last but not least, Mr. Tyner, thank you, sir. Thank you, Tim. And people can find me on LinkedIn and on occasionally on Twitter, at S. Tyner. 
also you can find his writings over on Big Club, so check them out too. Uh, for me, come on, right? Don't follow me on the Twitters. Uh, football season starts, so you can get a lot of Bears stuff. Uh, and technically, Tyner, uh, hockey started already, but it's preseason, so you know. yeah, we don't we don't talk about that up here in New England anymore. <laughs> we will talk we will talk about the patriots though and it's two and three their last two games or whatever the score was yeah it was ridiculous that they're still they're still chugging the dude's almost 50 games still cranking so uh but yeah go to the website if you would please avnation.tv that's avnation.tv you will find this program and a host of others Good Lord, have we dropped a bunch of new ones. Uh, we got three new shows that happened in the last six months. Uh, got a new architect show, which is fascinating, uh, especially for those of you in the in the education space. The last episode, uh, talking with some architects, and actually our old friend, Dennis Sanzavero, uh, Atlas IED, talking about design uh, and implementation of both uh, uh, architecture and technology in the education space. So check that out. Uh, and a brand new one uh, dropped about a week or so ago called the executive chair where we sit down with uh, ceos and executives and just find out more about them and how they get stuff done so all that and more at deviation.tv deviation.tv thanks so much for listening thank you so much for watching that's all the time we have for ed tech